Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Tuesday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. We appreciate all you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our service minimum out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffee House here in Starkville or at Brupolo over in Tupelo. It would be a little odd, uh, Robbie. Be kind of Kind of weird, in my opinion, anyway. If uh, if Brupolo was in, oh, I had one and I, I I lost it. Where did it go? Oh, now we messed up the whole vibe. I know. I, I just it's, it's all it's all gone now. I had one and I was I was gonna come back to it and uh, I just don't know. It would be weird if Brupolo was in any place other than Tupelo. I don't know. Yes, it would be weird. <laughs> anyway, we'll get back on track with that tomorrow. Uh yeah. Wherever you are in our great state, if you're looking for Strange Brew Coffee, you can have it every single morning, just like we do here in Starkville. You just got to go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com and order it. And that, and now online, you can order the super awesome new flavor, Maple Bacon Pancake. Imagine if your coffee could taste like a delicious breakfast. Well, that can now, thanks to our friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. You never know what those coffee alchemists are going to come up with next. Check out the new flavors at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you are looking for. Whatever it is for yourself, for your house, for your car, for your tailgate, your left field lounge uh, spot, whatever it is, they've got you covered at College Corner. Two locations to serve you. They're in the Jackson area. They're original by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. Or you can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Starville is a better town Thursday through Sunday. Why is that? That's because those are the days that Restaurant Tyler is open. I I, I got to get them back open seven days a week. I, I can't, you know, there's sometimes on a Tuesday I want fried catfish, cheese grits, and uh, and mac and cheese. You know, I just wake up and I'm like, ooh, that do sound good. I want to eat that on a, on a Tuesday morning. So, do you want to eat that every day though? Let's be honest. I mean, there's I, there's not many days where I wake up and I say, you know what? I don't think I could eat Restaurant Tyler today. You're right, because, you know, they got enough different choices on the blue plate menu that I don't have to have the same thing every time. So that's that's you're you're absolutely correct. Best lunch in town, best dinner, best brunch. It's all under one roof there at restaurant Tyler. Robbie, it is January the twenty third as we are recording, which means we are a solid seven plus months from the start of football season. So let's just go ahead and do a preview, why don't we? Why not? Yeah. Wanna, what else are we going to talk about? I want to look at some big picture stuff about what we're looking like for Arnett's first year. You know, and once again, Mississippi State has a coach walking in to a situation where he is he's been handed a team that is built to win and win big in his first season. Last time that happened, Joe Moorhead, there's no other way to say it. He squandered it. He had a team that could have easily, easily been a 10-win top 10 team, uh, and it just didn't pan out that way. 
This is sort of the complete opposite here. You have, you know, Moorhead was an offensive coach. Arnett is a defensive coach. Uh, I felt like Ar- oh, oh, I felt like uh, Arnett was handed an offense that didn't quite fit what he wanted to do, but he tried to make it. I'm sorry, Moorhead tried to make it do that regardless. Whereas Arnett defensively, he's already the guy there. This is a defense that he's built and it, it's prepared to work for him. But there are going to be big changes on the offensive side of the ball. How much do you th- do you think in year one? this offense looks like what Kevin Barbe's offense might look like two, three years from now. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be the same because I think that I continue to believe that he's going to adjust to whatever he's got. And, you know, I don't think that if, if state's not able to, to secure two really good tight ends, I don't think Mississippi State's going to put a large emphasis in tight ends being a part of the offense this year. Um, if state's, you know, not doesn't have a, a running quarterback, which we know they won't with Will Rogers. You're probably not going to see them run the football with a quarterback. If they have a guy like Mike Wright in there, I think that you start to see maybe some more read option or design quarterback runs with him a little more. I think there's a lot of things that can happen with, with Kevin Barbe dependent on who he has out there on the field. And I think he's a guy that's not going to be – super tied to one thing or the other. I think he's going to adjust to whatever he's got. He's going to get the ball to playmakers, whoever those guys might be. If the if the playmakers are heavy in the running back room, he's going to get the ball to those guys. If they're heavy at the wide receiver position, he's going to get it to them. So I think it could adjust year to year based on who he's got. And I, I, do, I definitely agree with that. I, I just wonder, you know, Barbe is not an air raid coach per se, but as you know, and as we've said many, many times, that every playbook has some air raid concepts in it. I do wonder in year one if maybe he leans a little more heavily on that. If you like, you were just saying, especially if you can't get the roster right, do you lean a more a little more heavily on on three back on th- on four wide? Do you use you know you, especially if Dylan Johnson comes back, you've got a lot of depth at running back. Could you go three wide with two backs a little bit more in those situations, and you know bring guys in motion and try to work it out that way? And then when you do want to go heavy, do you just say screw it and you put an extra offensive lineman out there on the field when you when you you know because you just don't have the the depth at tight end? I mean, these are all some some real possibilities. The good news is that for Mississippi State is they just have so much production and so much experience coming back that if Will Rogers can be more than a system quarterback, that's been the label on Will Rogers these past couple of years, fair or unfair, that he, you know he's piled up all these numbers because of the air raid. This is a real opportunity for Will Rogers as, as, as far as making a statement as a potential NFL guy. No, not a first-rounder or anything like that. But if he can play in a new offense and show a little more versatility and show a little bit more you know, f- to his game than what the Air Raiders offered him, that's going to be a big plus for him. I agree, and I think that there's going to be, there's going to be a lot on him in this offense, but I think this offense is also – going to take a lot off of him as well. And it, I think he can be a more versatile quarterback within this offense too. I think you're going to see a lot of RPO concepts. He's going to have the ability to to adjust on the fly in that regard. It's not just going to be a straight drop back or, or handoff um, like he did with Air Raid. You knew he was either going to drop back and, and throw the football or he was just going to hand it off and they're going to run a dive play. Um, so he's going to have some decision-making. He can go through some progressions. 
I think that the running game is going to allow him to flourish a lot more in the passing game um, than he did in the air raid just because, I mean, logic tells you when you run the football more, you're going to be able to hit some bigger plays down the field in the passing game. That's why their offense uh, under Kevin Barbet was so explosive from a passing standpoint in comparison to Mississippi State's. Um, the ability to get the ball down the field was done so at a higher level at Appalachian State than what Mississippi State was able to do. And a lot of that is how Mississippi State's offense operated. It wasn't an offense that was taking a lot of deep shots down the field. But I'm not sure how many of those they they could get when you're not establishing a run game. Because, you know, contrary to, to belief of people out there, you do have to establish a run game to hit the play-action pass. Yeah. You can't just pass the football five times in a row and then hit a play-action pass. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be nearly as effective. Right, you got to set so, up things you want to do offensively. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and I think that's what this offense is going to do. And I think it's I think Will Rogers is a benefactor in this offense because of the fact that he's going to be able to lean on the run game a little more, and he's going to have some more one-on-one coverages down the field. This isn't going to be a situation where we're going to see a lot of drop eight against this kind of defense. Shouldn't anyway. Right. What? Who do you, I like that word benefactor. Who do you think is a bigger benefactor in this? Let's let's just let's you know use the guys who are currently on the roster. Dylan Johnson comes back. We'll talk about it differently. But who's a bigger benefactor to the Barbe offense? Jaquavius Marks or Tulu Griffin? That's a good question. Uh, I'd probably lean on Tulu Griffin mm-hmm. because Kevin Barbe has made it uh, known to both Tulu and to others that. He's going to get the ball in the hands of his playmakers and get it to them in, in spots that that benefit them the most. I mean, Mississippi State was running an offense where players are just kind of running their routes and trying to get open. You got a guy like Tulu that's on the outside that probably needs to be on the inside. You're probably going to see some jet sweeps. You're probably going to see some motion in the backfield from uh, Tulu. You're going to see him across the middle of the field. There's some opportunities there that he he didn't have in the air raid. And Jaquavius Marks, I think that he's going to be more productive in this offense. Mm-hmm. But you're still talking about a guy that touched the football probably 18 times a game. So I don't know how much more of a jump he's going to get from a touch standpoint from just simply getting the ball in his hands and being able to make a play. I think the biggest thing for Marks is that he's going to see less catches where he's catching the ball with his back to the field where he's, yeah. he's the check down guy and, and, and the linebackers are already closing on him when it's going to be situations drawn up where when he's getting the ball he's doing so facing downfield getting you know get where he can run from the catch things like that I think that's going to be the biggest difference for him I also think you know <clears throat> when state screened last year it was almost invariably a wide receiver screen I think yeah. Jaquavius marks and price both and Dylan Johnson should he come back can be guys who, when you use running back screens, can be effective because I know they're good receivers and then they're good in the open field. So I'm excited for some of the possibilities. And, of course, having a veteran offensive line also helps you a lot. I, I thought about this yesterday. If, if I'm correct, State returned seven of their eight top offensive linemen from a season ago. And the only one that's missing is LaQuinston Sharp. And you bring back Nick Jones, Cam Jones, Cole Smith, uh, Stephen Lasoya, Dollar Bill, Percy Lewis, and Albert Reese. I mean, that yeah. is a ton. I'm not one of these, you know, I, I live and die by the Phil Steele, you know, returning start stat, but 
that is a lot of of SEC experience coming back from Mississippi State. And on top of that, their guys, you know, there was a lot of concern whenever Barbe was hired. You're taking air raid offensive linemen out out of their element. These guys are not air raid offensive linemen. No. These guys, you think LaQuinston Sharp was running the air raid at Columbus High School <laughs> or at EMCC? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they were, I mean, they like to pass the ball a lot at EMCC, but at the end of the day. Those guys weren't running those wide splits in high school or junior college or wherever they were. Percy Lewis is a road grader. LaQuinston Sharp was a road grader, which he's not playing in this offense. But Cole Smith, this is his kind of offense. Cam yeah. Jones, Dollar Bill, these are offenses that these guys are going to be able to run. Um, and let's be honest, in the air raid, it wasn't really set up to open up some huge holes in the running game. State was able to to make some moves down the field in the run game this year, but I think what you're going to see is you're going to see some bigger holes in which Marks and Dylan Johnson can run through. They're not hit, getting hit at the line of scrimmage and having to power through those runs as much. They're going to have a little more room to operate uh, with this with this offense, I think. So it very well could be that Jaquavis Marks and guys like that benefit more in this offense. I think the big thing is all of those guys are going to benefit in this offense. It's an offense that's going to be a lot more balanced than what Mississippi State's been running, and you're not sitting there saying, you know, the running back's just basically getting these bona fide uh, handoffs, but they're basically, you know, they're, they're passes, but they're pretty much handoffs, but you're also getting hit at the line of scrimmage. So you're not seeing that anymore. You're, the running backs are in their natural element. The receivers are in position a little better. Um, you're running plays to get certain players the ball. I think that's the biggest thing for this offense uh, moving forward is it looks like something that benefits everybody. It's a balanced offense, and they're looking to get the best players the football. And that, to me, that is what a really good offense and a really good offensive coordinator does is finds who the best players are, what your strengths are, and pushes that out to the forefront. And you're not trying to force something to happen with players or uh, with schemes that might not fit. On the other side of the ball, it's really all systems go there, to be totally honest with you. I feel like you know, with the players that are coming back, all the coaching staff that they're bringing back with, with Brock and McBath, um, and obviously, Dewhurst is going to be incredibly familiar with everything. David Turner is the only new face, but he's such a veteran coach. You got to feel like you can plug him in just about anywhere at this point. This is an opportunity. I don't think this defense is going to be as good as 2018. I don't think they have the star power. There's not a guy that I look at and go, first-round pick. There's not three first-round picks. Right, right. But as a team, this defense can be very, very good. It can be very similar, I think to what that 2014 defense was at times. I thought the 2014 team had moments where they were really dominant defensively, and then they had some moments where they weren't. I think this defense can be more consistent. The main question, obviously, is going to be trying to replace Emmanuel Forbes. But, you know, we looked back a season ago, and we thought, well, the main question was trying to replace Martin Emerson. I thought State, I thought DeCameron Richardson did a, a solid job of that. And then before that, it was replacing Cam Dantzler. So exactly, it just keeps it, it, you know. State has gotten to that point where you know I wouldn't say they're reloading because they're not having first round picks every year. But Dancer was a third rounder. Uh, Emerson was a third rounder. I feel like Forbes has a great chance to be first through three, first through third rounds, uh, and then we'll just sort of see from there. So 
What is your biggest question defensively? Is it that cornerback spot, or is there something else that stands out to you? It's the back of the defense, the secondary. They've done a good job of going to get guys to get to get the bodies back there, but it's a lot of players that haven't done anything. I mean, I think everybody's excited about Kamari Rogers. I mean, he hasn't proven anything yet. He was a really good recruit coming out of high school. Um, you know, tore his ACL and probably would have played a little more last year had that not happened, but hasn't proven anything. Radar Jones has proven nothing, mm. and he's been in the SEC for a while now and hasn't played much. You know, Marcus Banks, we're excited about him, but he didn't play a ton this year on the defensive side of the ball. To Carlos Nicholson at the safety position, those guys back there, you're, you're losing a lot of guys at safety. So it's – it's not a mega concern for me because I know that they're going to have the competition back there and they have talent and they have bodies. It's just the fact that nobody's really proven anything yet. Um, I feel good about the fact Sean Preston is back. He's shown some really good things over the last few years. He has his weaknesses, but for the most part, has been a solid safety for Mississippi State. That's a good piece to add back. And then the rest of it is a lot of guys that haven't done anything yet. So that's probably my biggest concern. The the front six, the 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 defensive line and the and the linebackers look like they're gonna be loaded. A lot of talent, a lot of experience. That should be a really good front. They should be able to disrupt things for teams both running the football and getting pressure. Uh it's the back end that's that's kind of a, a question mark right now. For me, you know, obviously, like I said, those are good points that, that you raised. I do wonder, you know, who are we going to see on this defense? Like, because this is a lot of guys, a lot of veteran guys, but there's always a new guy here or two. You know, we talked about Trevion Williams, Trevion Williams all last offseason and, and thought maybe he could take a step forward. Do, do you see a guy like him maybe having a, a, a big impact on this defense or is it, is it just going to be the veterans and, you know, he still has to wait a little while? That's a good question. Um, you know, the big thing to me is what does this defense look like next year with a new coordinator as far as those substitution patterns? Um, we talked about that a lot last year. It just didn't seem like they were getting a lot of players in there. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the biggest question to try to answer your question is what what are they going to do with the substitutions? Because they have a lot of young talent that could get in there but you still got – I mean, you got Nathan Pickering is back up front, and it looks like Calvin Dinkins might slide in behind him. I don't know yet. I mean, that that might be your your candidate there up mm-hmm. front. Um, but I would like to see more guys rotating through there. Don Terry Russell, um, Travion Williams, maybe Jacarius Clayton can get in yeah, there and rotate. Deontay Anderson, he played a little more this year. Mm-hmm. And then at linebacker, you have all those young guys. I mean, look at all those young guys that they that they added. Khalid Moore, Javay Gilmore. Uh, you're still waiting for John Lewis to break through. It looks like uh, Ty, Cooper Ty Cooper is poised to do some big things. And he could be your starter at the Sam. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen there. But um, Avery Sledge is another guy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of young players. I feel like they got to be a little more – um, liberal with how they're rotating those guys in. Because when those other guys leave after next year, 
if you're not pushing those those players through and getting them some um some reps next year, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Those guys got to have their. I mean, it, it's it's their time in 2024. It's Travion Williams and uh, uh, Khalid Moore, Javed Gilmore. It's their time in, in 2024 because you're losing a ton of experience in the front six. So this year needs to be an, an opportunity for those guys to get a little more experience and to learn on the, learn a little more against SEC teams because it's going to be time for them to, to really step up in 2024. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, that was one of our big pet peeves all throughout the football season was the rotation. Hopefully this year, you know, you certainly got the depth. You've got the guys. Uh, you, they need to find some reps for those younger guys. I, I definitely agree with that. So, once again, you know, I feel like if, if if things were this had not had all this this change, if Mike Leach were still with us and everything, you know, this would be an easy pick for me to win nine games next year easily. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't even hesitate. You know, as it stands, I would, I want to kind of see. You know, I think I'm still going to say nine when we when we get to August and we start doing real predictions. You know, uh, Alabama, sure, LSU be a tough game. Will they drop one more? You know, Auburn, A and M, something like maybe. Maybe, probably so. But by, by and large, you know, I think they can win the four non-conference. I think they can beat Kentucky. I think Arkansas is not going to be very good next year. I think they can beat Ole Miss. I mean, there's they're seven. I think they can beat South Carolina. That's eight. And then can they find another one? Yeah, A&M, Auburn, same sort of situation. But, you know, with the, with the, it's the second time in a row that you've been, you've gone into the big year. This is the year that you're going to be up in the cycle and, and you just have this uncertainty. It's a long time to go without having that big year. Ole Miss has had two since you've had one. You know, they had a big year in 2015, and then they had one uh, two seasons ago in 2021. You know, so, and you, you, you're ready to take that step forward and have that year where you're the team that's, that's got all the focus on them. That can be this year for Mississippi State, but there are, I mean, as we sit here in January, it's only fair to have questions. Yeah, there, there's, there's still some question marks. And you're also dealing with a first-time head coach. I mean, <clears throat> I thought he handled the ball game really well. I think the defense is going to be in really good hands under Matt Brock. I don't have any concerns there. You got a brand new offense. You got a brand new coordinator. That's kind of the big question mark, and it kind of changes our thoughts from you know a month and a half ago when we said that you know state. If State wins the bowl game, you got all these players coming back. You got, you know, Mike Leach in year four. State's probably going to be, you know, media darling, probably going to be dark horse in the SEC. I think the loss of Mike Leach and having this first-year head coach, new offensive coordinator, has taken a lot of bloom off that rose Yeah, from a national perspective. Oh, agreed, agreed. But I think we are a little more optimistic about this team because we've seen the inner workings of Zach Arnett. We were impressed in the bowl game, um, and we know that he's got a really good staff. He's got good players coming back. I think it's a little different to me than Joe Moorhead because I don't think you changed the culture much. Yeah. You you got a, a guy that in a staff I would consider very similar to what Dan Mullen was doing at Mississippi State, same kind of blueprint. Um, from a discipline standpoint, you have the same kind of culture that you had with Mike Leach, maybe even, you know, more so with Zach Arnett. I don't know. 
but the culture has not changed in Mississippi State. You still got a lot of the same attributes that you had. So I, I think they're keeping everything kind of steady. It's just how is this program going to be run under Zach Arnett moving forward? That's the biggest question. Yeah, I don't think toughness and I don't think discipline will be an issue with Zach Arnett. That's just my my opinion, you know, based on what I know of the man and, and going forward. So fun stuff to talk. I like, you know, we can't ever have enough college football. So even though it is so far away, we'll get well, to it. We got several months to go. <laughs> several is not even right. It's more. It's like it's, it's a almost a year. I think somebody said thirty-one weeks. Somebody's 31. already counting down. Yeah, well, why not? Why would you not be? So, All right, let's move on into the rest of the show. That's brought to you by our friends over at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. When you're looking to plan a meal for your family, you want to include beef. It's good for them, and, of course, it is delicious. If you're looking for recipes, you go to msbeef.org or just talk to your butchers, talk to your meat market guys. Those guys know how to cook the products they sell. They've probably got some great ideas for you as well. Head over to your butcher today, pick up some steaks, pick up some ground beef, and make your family a meal they won't forget. Beef, it's what's for dinner, thanks to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Or if you just don't feel like cooking, go to Two Brothers Smoked Meats here in the heart of the Cotton District, Starkville's home of smoked southern soul food. It's just so good. So good. Every time I'm there, I'm having a good time. I've never been to Two Brothers and walked out the door and said, that could have been better. I, it just doesn't. The only way it could have been better is if I had a second stomach so that I could eat more food. That would be it. So when you're looking for a great meal in Starkville, if you're going to be up here for basketball or baseball this this spring, you know the place to go. It's Two Brothers Smoked Meats. Great products and great service. Every business promises it to you. Advantage Business Systems has been delivering it to you for 48 years. That's a long time for anybody to be in business. And you're talking about a, a place, you know, that, that's seen so many changes in, in the way business technology works, and they have stayed at the forefront of it because they offer the best service. That's how they do it. They take care of their customers. They're a Mississippi business just like you. When you want to be treated like a neighbor and not a number, you call Advantage Business Systems. 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. Talk to my friends at the Rogue today, and they are going to be bringing in a fleet, a bunch of new stuff in the coming weeks. And all most of it, all of it, script state and M over S because they listen to you guys. They listen to the Mississippi State fans. They know that you don't want the banner M. You want those other logos. You want the script state. You want the M over S. Well, they're listening to you. So make sure you check them out. Check out all the great styles they're going to have to offer you for in polos and quarter zips and pullovers, everything you're looking for. They've got it at the Rogue in Jackson. Don't live the three-stripe life. Shop at the Rogue. Basketball this week, it's just going to be tough, Robbie. This is this, this is a tough week. So the new AP poll is out today. Uh, Alabama's number two in the nation. State travels there on Wednesday, and then on Saturday they host the number 11 team in the country, uh, the TCU Horn Frogs, who of course are just coming off a win over uh, over uh, Kansas this past Saturday. That'll make six games out of nine where you've played a top twenty-five team. Uh, Tennessee, you had two games against them. They're number four in the country. Auburn is number fifteen in the country. You'll you'll have played Alabama twice. They're number two, and then you'll have the game with uh, with TCU where they're number eleven. The issue isn't those six, those potential six losses. And I'm I'm just going to make an assumption that State's 0-2 this week. 
it's the one and two in those other games. It's losing to Georgia in a game where you missed 15 free throws. It's losing to Florida in a game where you had possession with 12 seconds left and a chance to get a game-winning shot or a game-tying shot and not being able to convert. Do you feel pretty? Do you feel confident, not confident that once State gets through this stretch, once they get past this game with TCU, and they start playing a li- just a little easier competition? I know it's still SEC teams; it's still going to be tough. But you're not playing any more ranked teams that are currently ranked in the top 25. Do you really feel confident that they can? You know, maybe turn it around might be a, a strong word because that might imply that you're going to the tournament. But at least start getting some wins and compiling a solid resume that you can you make a, a great case for the NIT if that time comes. It really just depends on their mindset. You're, I mean, even the internal optimist would say this is going to be really difficult the next two games. So if that's the case and you lose both of these games, you will have lost. Eight out of nine? Yes. Eight out of nine games. That's tough. Can you mentally, as a team, say, okay, that's over with. We're flushing those last nine ball games. We have a very manageable schedule here in the back end. Let's come together here. Let's make a little run. Because if you win like seven games, you have 19 wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in good shape for and at least an NIT. You're on the bubble, I I think. I mean, you're probably, your net's probably high 60s, low, or a high 50s, low 60s with 19 wins, I would think. 19 wins would be, would be good. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're, you're, at that point, let's see if you win, let's see one. We're doing math. Watch out, guys. Careful. Careful. That would be nine and, that would be nine and two. Would that be nine? No, that'd be how many games do they have left after that? So you got to remember, there's a non-conference game. If it, if they lose to Alabama, they'd be one and seven. So that's eight games. So they would have twelve games after that. Okay, so I'm saying they have. They've. I said that they win seven more games, right? And they get to nineteen. So they would be seven and three down the stretch. They finish eight and ten. Eight and ten in conference play. That's the, honestly that's, solid. that's that's actually what we said could get them in the tournament. Yeah, but I think we said it with a win over TCU. Which I I just don't think it's going to happen at this point. That's true. But, but so eight and ten. If you finish eight and ten in the conference, so you're gonna, you're telling me you're going to get seven more wins. You're going to be right at twenty wins in year one of Jans with the the limitations this team has. That's incredibly promising. Yes, I think it's. I, I think it's absolutely crucial for this team to just put the the first, the last nine games behind them after this stretch. Mm-hmm. But it's easier said than done. Yeah. If if you would if you have played nine straight games and had the disappointment that Mississippi State's had, and had these close losses to Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee, I thought was I consider that a close loss, even though they won by double digits late. Uh, Florida, you lost with a shot at the buzzer. It, you have these ball games, and you, at some point, you you say to yourself, "Okay, we just can't get it done." And you're also dealing with several players on this team that have never been able to get it done like that. Mm-hmm. That the you know the, the the guys like DJ Jeffries, Tolu Smith, Cam Matthews, they played on teams that have experienced this, that just can't get over the hump, they can't win the big game. Um, so they don't, they haven't really known how to win these games. Uh, so 
it's tough to break. And what you have to realize, and this that's a challenge of Chris Jans, is the back half of the schedule is very manageable. It's there's a lot of winnable games in there for Mississippi State, and there's a lot of games left. I mean, th- there's a lot that can still happen for State even after losing six out of the last seven games. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the key for me, and it, it's still going to be difficult for this team to win even if they have that mindset just because they just cannot score. But having that mindset goes a long way because there's some teams in the SEC that are just not very good, and there's some teams that are okay, but they're beatable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Missouri at home, yeah, very winnable game. LSU, LSU's, LSU's been winnable. bad. Arkansas is winnable. Kentucky's Arkansas winnable. is winnable even though it's at Fayetteville. Kentucky's very winnable at home. Ole Miss is winnable. A&M is winnable. Yeah. There, there's it's, games it's, on there that State can get. It's this one and two. If State had one more win, if they had beaten Georgia or beaten Florida, I would I would tell you right now that I thought this team could, was going to make the tournament. as Maybe in the play-in game, but I really thought that they would make the tournament at this point. But the, the, losing those two games has hurt, especially the Georgia the, one, where they're, they're, they're net. I, the last time I checked was in the hundreds. Georgia's not good. Yeah, and that that was self inflicted. That was not being able to shoot free throws. Yeah, no hundred percent. Auburn self inflicted. O for eighteen from three. Yeah, Florida self inflicted. You got down by sixteen points. Sixteen points in the first half. Yeah. So it all this stuff is things that Mississippi State is doing. Uh, you know, Tennessee's just good. Alabama's just good. You you tip your hat in those games. And Auburn's good too. They're fifteenth in the country, and and you play, Auburn's really play good. good in but that's the thing. You you should have won, won that ball game. You lost by six, and you went zero for eighteen from three, and yeah. they hit like eleven threes. Yeah. So um, it's it's things that Mississippi State could be doing better. That's that's hurting them right now, and that's the process of of Chris Jans uh, leading his own program. Agreed. All right. Uh, tomorrow's show, we'll be doing the rumblings. Go ahead and get your questions into us. Robbie will have fired off the tweet by the time you uh, you hear this podcast. Uh, and then you know we uh, we got plenty to talk about this week as far as basketball, football, baseball, recruiting, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and of course, you know, sports talk Mississippi. You know, Robbie, let's pub your stuff. You do the talking dogs on YouTube. But do you have a schedule for that? Is it just kind of when you do it? It's kind of just whenever I want to do it. Okay. Well, subscribe to Robbie's YouTube channel. And uh, I'm in the process of the trying to. I'm in the process of trying to nail down what I think would be a great interview uh, with somebody. So, hopefully I'm that transpires. Well, I didn't want to bust you <laughs> out like that in public, but but hopefully, hopefully that interview that I that I'm trying to get done transpires. I think it would be a really fun one for state fans. Outstanding. All right, so yeah, subscribe to Robbie's YouTube channel. You can keep up with him there. Now, whenever he goes live, you'll get a notification uh, as well. All right, guys, have a great uh, Tuesday, Robbie. And I'll be back with you on Wednesday for Robbie Falk. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.